All right, people, it is Sunday, July 31st. We're officially a month into kind of like, I guess, like the whole kind of weird post-pandemic period. I don't know if you, if you really want to call that. It's been such a weird last seven months for media just in general, but I'm back. Chris and I are actually back to break down. We have a little bit of an off week movie-wise, so we're going to break down just some of the shows that we like watching as opposed to some of the shows that everyone else was talking about. We were kind of coming off a gluttony of a lot of shows that a lot of people were really excited about, really into, and now we're kind of into that phase where it's like, yeah, this is the one for us. We're going to talk about some of the shows that we like talking about. So, Chris, you got anything to say before we get started? Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've done one of these kind of episodes, but they're always my personal favorites, and I hope you guys feel the same way. we got a lot to talk about today, so uh, let's get into it. Absolutely. All this and more on today's episode of the Talk TV Podcast. All right, what's up, Chris? It's good to have you back, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been two weeks, but it's felt like longer. So it, it always feels like longer whenever <laughs> you're not on the show. Remember, we're still coming off of like three years where we're like doing this like every week. So well, we're in that post-pandemic period, as you say. Yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> weird. So obviously, we have two. Uh, we have the Apple TV Plus roundup that we're talking about as well. Like I said, a couple of our sh- our favorite shows that came back that aren't quite as on the radar as like a barrier or a better call Saul. We're going to be talking about the third and second season of For All Mankind and Physical, which are two shows that premiered in the last couple of years that we absolutely fell in love with during the pandemic and were a big reason for us getting through the pandemic. But before we got this started, I just wanted to like kind of get your viewpoint on, I guess, like, so we're, we, we went through so many changes media wise throughout the pandemic space, right? And I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of like where we are right now, where it feels like theaters are still in such a weird spot as far as whether or not like they're, people say, oh, theaters are dead. Oh, they're not dead. Oh, they're, th- oh, they're dead. Oh, they're not dead. You know, we're, we're, we're still having that discussion, even though it feels like kind of tired out. It feels like streaming has just been slaughtering this year just like like the amount of shows that have come out this year that i'm just like whoa okay like we we thought streaming was maybe like starting to lull a little bit no they they were just getting started but now like i said we're in kind of a break period for right now so i I just wanted to get your take on that because we haven't been talking about it as much i feel like just in general just because of how busy we've been and everything we've had going on totally yeah no um i definitely think it's a interesting question to sort of check back in on from time to time because while we are i think like as a society recovering and getting back to normal i also think that there is a few different sort of like subgroups of people that have formed there are the people that have just been itching to get back out there and, and return to in-person interaction which you're certainly seeing a lot more of but then there's also the people who like have got have gotten so comfortable and used to first of all not a 17 dollar bag of popcorn um to not sitting in a theater with other people who are going to cough and talk and you know make noise when they can just put on their surround sound system that they got at a huge discount on prime day you know uh <laughs> shout out to twitch what we're streaming on right now an amazon company right um maybe that'll boost us in the algorithm for once but anyways uh <laughs> they, they're just so used to sitting at home relaxing in their pajamas not having to worry about going anywhere to watch top quality content and i think a lot of that is 
obviously the effects of the pandemic sort of dividing us even further than we already were. We don't need to get into any more specifics there. Use your imagination. You know what I'm talking about. But I think uh, the, also it's the effects of streamers sort of capitalizing on the pandemic and really uh First of all, we had so many new streamers pop up in the era of the pandemic. Peacock, Paramount Plus, to name a few. Not saying those streamers are amazing or, or top tier at all. Of course, it's a matter of, of opinion. In my opinion, they aren't. But they did take away some stuff from other streamers. Like, you know, the Halo bid went to Paramount Plus. They got that show. The Office and Parks and Recreation went to Peacock, taking them away from Netflix. So it's made it easier for you to sit at home because that variety, I think, in the old days that you would get from a theater when it wasn't just superhero movies and the occasional animation, uh, you know, in the form of uh, Pixar or something, um, the variety is now on the small screen. It's, hey, if you can afford $5 here, $10 here, maybe for like an HBO, $15 here for a subscription, guess what? You're still saving more money than you are going to the theater. You can watch it again. Uh, you don't have to sneak into a later showing if you wanted to see it again, or if you have it like that, buy another ticket. So I think it's um, the unfortunate repercussion of what, 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 what have we said all the time? Like this podcast got us through the pandemic. I think streaming shows and binge watching shows that people hadn't time, hadn't had time to catch up on that, that we did the same thing as them, Dom. We just talked about it publicly, you know? Right. Um, I think the difference is, though, that we are, it seems, both back to going out in person. But I know a lot of people who aren't, young people like us, not just older folks. What is your take on all that, man? Well, it's super weird because a lot of things that I've been hearing on podcasts that I listen to in the post-pandemic phase has been people want to get out. You know, they've been stuck inside their houses for a year, a year and a half, some two years on end, depending on everyone's different individual state, and they want to get out, and they want to go outside, and they don't want to be a streaming. So it's created this weird paradox and paradigm where streaming in 2022 is still, for the most part, as successful as it was in 2021, but it's being combated by the fact that a lot of people do not want to be stuck inside their houses. So you have this really weird mix of, okay, you had this brief period of, of time where it felt like, okay, a certain number of shows were doing really well. But then on the other hand, you still have the bunch of people who are complaining, oh, there's too much content to watch. You know, we, we don't know what it is that we want to watch. There's too much of a gluttony of content. On top of the fact that theaters, which you thought would have been booming this year, you know, after the announcement last year, obviously, that HBO would not be releasing any more titles direct to HBO Max as well as in theaters because they realized that that was robbing them of more money, even though I thought that was an important and necessary decision at the time that they announced it but you still have theaters in like a weird spot because people want to go out but when they want to go out it's like yeah well you don't want to go out and sit in a dark theater they're like we already remember how miserable theater experiences were before the pandemic so now it's what are people doing they're going to concerts they're going to big live live events have made the biggest comeback i think i've ever seen of any comeback. i mean you can speak to that more than i can but i mean these ticket prices for some of these live events are the most outrageous and expensive that they've ever been. And they know that they can charge that much because people will just pay whatever they can on top of the fact that we're in a recession. So everything is just more expensive in general. I mean, that, that, that that's not speaking on anything political minded. Like we are in a recession. Everything is more expensive right now. On top of the fact that there's also another 
a lot of factors that are going into streaming as well that I feel like just the common man isn't talking about. You know, obviously everyone was super super worried because they're like, oh, Netflix stock plummeted. Oh, they're, everyone's worrying. They're like, oh, is this going to be the end of the original one that, you know, the one that originated it? Or is Wall Street going to finally pull out? Is Netflix finally going to cave to the massive amounts of debt that they've been taking on every year? And the end-all, be-all result is the fact that Netflix did lose 902, I think, K subscribers, which from what I heard is actually a lot less than, um, what's it called, than uh, what was originally intended and apparently it seems that once again it is there is just even more disparities than we originally realized where it's like okay everyone thinks that Netflix is going down the tubes but just because for uh, for us you know the common average movie average viewer obviously yeah the fact that they raised their prices to $20.99 a month which is ridiculous I think they're the most expensive streaming service to the fact that they have little to no good content anymore because as as 50-50s, I'll say their original content was. A majority of the stuff that people watched on there was the comfort food, the repeat watching, which almost all of which is no longer available on there. The Office is no longer available to watch on there. 30 Rock is no longer available to watch on there. I even saw a thing a couple weeks ago saying that in 2025, they were taking Breaking Bad off of Netflix. So I'm like, wow, that was one of the shows that like made the streaming service originally. On top of the fact that this is the first year that Netflix, if we're just talking about them exclusively amongst the original streamers, is going to be adding both a pay, both a uh, an ad tier, which they said that they would never do. They said that they would never, ever do. They're like, we're never cracking into ads. But they said, 2022, they're like, screw it. We need money. So in, in order to start to cover some of this debt, and in order to start to compete with some of these streamers. So we're adding an ad tier. And on top of that, they are supposedly, supposedly cracking down on password sharing. Will they actually do that? We'll see. But yeah, that so <laughs> so that's kind of all kind of recapping all the weird things that have happened in the world of streaming right now. You know, again, just taking up out the quality, because again, I feel like, when it comes to quality of each individual streaming service, we kind of have a known thing of what we're going to watch, you know? Like, Netflix, we kind of know what to expect, but the problem with Netflix is that they always have the one thing that ends up taking over the whole world just based off of, you know, their algorithm. You know, it was Stranger Things this year, and then it was Squid Game last year. You know, HBO and Apple, we pretty much have come to expect a consistent amount of quality. Hulu is, again, it still feels like, despite the fact that Hulu dominated the Emmys, like, you want to talk about the Emmy nominations real quick. Hulu just ran the gamut. I think they finally beat out Netflix as far as amount of nominations that they had because I feel like with just with overall amount of shows, I feel like HBO and Apple, it was still, they ran the gamut as far as most nominations per show, but they only had a few shows that were nominated. I think Apple only ended up having like three shows that ended up really being nominated a lot. And, and uh, what's it called? So, but it still feels like Hulu is in that weird phase of trying to play catch up. And then you have Amazon, which is like, yeah, we, we just don't care. We just don't care because we already have all this money. You know, we, we're dropping the boys. We're <laughs> dropping all these massively expensive fantasy shows that don't look good at all. But we put all this money into this thing. So we kind of can't back out now. Like, it's kind of insane. I'm like, like how the Lord of the Rings show looks visually better than most of the CG movies we're getting in theaters. But I already know, I'm like, this is going to be another one of those things that is just so boring. So I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of dropped a lot there. So I wanted to know, what, what's your take on all that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Netflix is interesting in comparison with the uh, headline of this episode, the Apple TV Plus of it all, because you have multiple different approaches. Obviously, this isn't rocket science. Just use your eyes and you'll be able to see that there are 
different approaches, right? Like you just said, Amazon is the, hey, we can fund it, so we're going to do it. Um, however much it costs, we will make that show happen. It yep. doesn't have to be good. We're just going to do it because we can. And time will tell. You know, There's a lot coming down the pipe for Amazon. Really, all we've seen, the fruits of the labor of, are the boys and like uh, a few other select, like the expanse was revived and things like that. So we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what they're able to do with their massive amount of money. Yeah. But that is one approach. You have the Apple TV Plus approach, the HBO um, sort of uh, cornerstone at this point uh, in regards to them, which is uh, quality oh, uh, quality over quantity. Um, and what fascinates me about HBO, and this might be a whole other podcast in and of itself, which it's it's the way that they've managed to take that quality and, um, well, make it uh, meet the quantity because they're always putting something out and for the most part... I, even if it's not my cup of tea, not a style I gravitate to, I, I enjoy it. I, I see the merit behind the filmmaking. And then you have Netflix. And Netflix, at one point, as we both know, Dom, were the titans of the industry. They were the uh, robber barons of the early streaming era. No one could touch them. No one could stop them. They, they, they played God because they were. It helped uh, when you well, were the only market in town. Exactly. Oh, yes, of course, Luke. Disney Plus. Of course, Disney Plus. I mean, Disney Plus is interesting because, again, really what they've started to do is just co-opt um, their movie franchises and give you sort of like bite-sized doses of, of each of the big IPs each quarter of the year. We see them rolling out now a new Star Wars show every quarter, finally catching up with their already onslaught of Marvel miniseries. Um and of course, the other little random things that come in between, like Jeff Goldblum running around Earth or whatever the hell they want to call yeah, it. They, they put out like, <laughs> like an I Am Groot mini, mini series of shorts. Like they, they brought back the shorts out of nowhere, you know? It's all still tied right. to their franchises, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but thank you, Luke. I appreciate that. That uh, that keeps us honest and and keeps our uh, our brains from remembering everything we need to cover here. But my favorite thing is the Netflix thing, right? I think they spent something like four hundred twenty five million to acquire the rights to Knives Out for only two movies. Those are expensive <laughs> movies. Yeah. Um, and and then this is the best. Um, this comes oh, from cool. L.A. Times. The terms of transaction were not disclosed. We're talking about. Seinfeld being acquired by Netflix, but Netflix paid more than 500 million, um, paid more than the 500 million NBC Universal paid for The Office and the 425 million Warner Media shelled out for friends. People familiar with this deal said both of those five year deals were streaming rights in the US. And let me tell you, this article came out September 16th. Uh, 2019 and LA Times does a amended if they make a gaffe or they do an updated on their website to uh, you know make sure that they're honestly reporting um, and they have not done that so it seems that the 425 million that Warner Media paid for Friends on HBO Netflix paid more than that for Seinfeld and the real kicker Dom is Seinfeld comes off Netflix in two years and here's the real no, kicker Dom what what came it. out. Yeah, what came out the same weekend that Seinfeld hit Netflix? I, I, I couldn't tell you because I, I don't remember, gun to my head, it, when Seinfeld actually premiered on Netflix. You know why you don't remember? Why? Squid Games. Stop! That's just the same yep. weekend? That's same crazy! Weekend. And That's that is crazy. what happened. So Netflix, I mean... They couldn't have oh, predicted man. it, and I'm sure long run that they own Squid Game forever is going to be more beneficial now that we have some spinoffs coming out and in, in another season in and of itself. But, I mean, dude, the, they're just... They, they, 
It continues the to misfire. They have. We we talked about it two years ago, <laughs> and we're still wondering how how are they able to do this? I don't know. The money the money well has not run dry at Netflix yet. I don't know. You you brought up pre show talking about the uh, stock prices and and all yeah. of that. Um, so John Campia had a video on his channel a few weeks ago now, and he basically had done his research and I just tried to do these articles up. So, uh, I pulled this article up and I couldn't find it. So this shows he's a pro, but if you guys want to go and find my source, just go, um, and look at the past three weeks. John Campia has really been heavily covering Netflix. Um, and in his thing, I believe he said that there was only two or three of the top most top most watched shows on Netflix right now that were actually Netflix originals. Of course, Stranger Things um, and Squid Game were in there right. just because of the recent explosion. But it's really like Seinfeld. Um, it's 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 New Girl, which comes off the platform next month. Uh, a bunch of stuff that the interesting and alarming thing was they're losing soon, and. What I also find interesting is how did he find that article? Because if, if you type in on Google, I, and I know we're doing this live, so it's hard to multitask, but I typed in top most watched shows on Netflix 2022. It only wants to give you lists of their original series or like roundups of each week's top 10. Yep. Because um, they don't want you to know. Because right. if you're a shareholder, they don't want you to know that, yeah, we have got, had some wins lately. Stranger Things, Squid Games. <laughs> like the only two wins, really. Ozark came and went. Literally. I mean, Ozark you covered came and it. went. You, you, when went. I was in my was... finals, you guys covered it, but you're the only people I saw aside from like Baffling, the people who, which... who get paid right. to do this. Um, and it's like they need and a win Ozark, and they're not. And Ozark is a multi Emmy nominated and winning show for them. So you would think. Right. Exactly. And I think there's so many problems. Um, I, personally, I think this doesn't come from anywhere. And I, this is where I want your opinion after this, Dom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have so many other things I want your opinion on in this episode. I miss these kind of episodes, but yeah, we haven't had these in a while. <laughs> they're fun. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think they need to run more advertisements. I never see Netflix advertise. The only time I saw Netflix advertisements on TV was during around football when Seinfeld came on. They would do like a quick uh, scene from Seinfeld that was hilarious and then Netflix logo would pop out kind of like only on Netflix type of thing but that was like two weeks ban um, and, then it, and then it vanished I've seen YouTube pre-roll ads for Stranger Things that's about it I mean it's just they spend all this money to create shows original content and then they don't market it properly and right. I feel like they wonder where it goes I'll tell you this much I might not enjoy every Star Wars or Marvel Disney Plus show but I've seen advertisements. I've seen people post billboards on Twitter. I've seen, you know, it pop up on my, you know, recommended stories that are the advertised stories on social media and whatnot. And I, I just never really feel that with uh, the former king of the industry, Netflix. But take it away, Dom. What's your take on any of this? Well, I mean, the, the most annoying and confusing, but also, again, it's the thing that has always set them apart, is how Netflix kind of took the YouTube model and ran with it, where YouTube doesn't advertise it, but for somehow everybody knows about it, you know? It's it's kind of the, the wonder of the algorithmic um, advertising model, for lack of a better word, you know? Again, it's like Netflix, do, they don't advertise anything, you know? It's, it's one of the reasons why nobody watches or knows about their movies, and they made a pretty decent amount of great original movies. But again, it's if you look at all their original stuff that does, like, really, really well, it's all stuff that it's like, yeah, it's super trending on Twitter. That, that seems to be, like, the Netflix model for success is whether it's trending on Twitter, you know? Again, Stranger Things, Squid Game, 
Cobra Kai when it was when that was out. The Witcher for all of its five minutes that it was trending, you know. And so <laughs> it, 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 it's consistently baffling to me as far as how they're able to do well because you're right. All of the other streaming services do advertisements uh, and run advertisements of some sort. Now, again. To what to your point before about them needing to run advertisements? Obviously, again, they said they would be incorporating an ad tier by the end of the year. So, will that mean? Will that make a difference as far as their actual advertising goes? I don't know. It also was so weird because I feel like every single time I listen to podcasts of people about Netflix, I feel like they're having a completely different conversation. I feel like they're the most just out of the loop as far as what people want. Because every time I talk with people I know about Netflix, they're like, "Oh, Netflix doesn't really have anything to watch. I don't really care." Because again, it's like I feel like once again, it's another one of those things where the viewing habits of the consumers are just something that is just completely not on the radar of the studio executives and the type of content that they're making, you know? And that that's kind of mystifying to me because it's like, this is the age of social media. This should be the easiest time to figure out what people's viewing habits are. You have all this data, all this analytics. So why does it feel like your entire approach is just seemingly going against that? You know, that's the thing that's the most confusing to me. And that's the thing that consistently stands out to me, you know? But yeah, I- Dom. You just opened my eyes up because how could I not have remembered about The Witcher and Cobra Kai? I know, right? I think it's, but I what think it's because shows? Two of your favorite shows. Yeah, as as much as I love those shows, I think it's because, well, I don't know if there's a real staying power with Netflix, and and I don't think that's an indictment on the quality of those two shows. They are what they are, and I think they're excellent at being what they are. Um, the problem is, I just think Netflix doesn't do a good job keeping their content in the no. zeitgeist. Definitely and it's not. weird because I remember Netflix was killing the meme game when Bird Box came out. That was like their one moment where they really tapped into the pop culture and did the branding right. But where did that go? If 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 ever they need something like that, it's now. Right. They have absolutely no staying power. Stranger Things, the best decision they made was splitting that up across a month status. So that way they were they were able to keep that momentum in a really natural way. And like we always talk about it. It's like, yeah, the, the we you'll get those certain shows and they can continue for like a, the, the, like after they drop all at once, they can continue kind of in the zeitgeist. But it's I feel like their problem has always been their focus on quantity over quality. You know, their fact of it's okay. It doesn't necessarily matter if we have a show that sticks in the zeitgeist because we're just going to keep pumping out something new for people to watch every week. You know, we're just combating sleep as long as our viewing numbers are up, and uh, it doesn't matter. And uh, we don't we won't need to want, run ads. We, we they essentially tried to play the YouTube game but with actual content. And what they've seen, especially with the last couple of streaming services that have come out, is, oh, wow, so you have these streaming services that are putting out maybe one show at a time, but they're getting all the eyeballs, and it's causing people to want to keep their subscriptions and maybe watch some of the other stuff that they're, that they're putting out. Huh, maybe that'll work better for us. So I feel like they're trying to adopt that model with adding the ads and everything, but they're still trying to like have it both ways and try and mix it with their old school model, just pushing out content nonstop. But I feel like that's creating a really big rift in this kind of, you know, the, the consumer game. Now, real quick, before we kind of finish up the section on Netflix, I wanted to bring it back to Apple real quick in order to kind of like transition us into our Apple TV Plus section, well, then, which is... Then real quick, I just want to just a few last points about Netflix yeah. that some of our viewers, um, I think, might find interesting. Um so I'm looking at the um, the stock data. Um, it was already at a low at $348 Tuesday, April 19th. Today it sits at 224 So that's like Ooh. over a $120 drop. And the height, the height year year to date was uh, $597 a year ago uh, today. And so we've, we've come down almost by half. And then this article from NBC 
Um, NBC News, Netflix reports loss of 1 million subscribers in the last quarter. Apparently, that's better than what they initially predicted. The streaming platform said earlier this year it would lose 2 million subscribers in the second quarter that ended in June. So my question to you is, you're right. They haven't changed their habits. They have. They're still throwing money at the wall. Yep. So do you think this ad tier is the answer? I mean, do you think there's a fix on the horizon? Do you think they should celebrate not losing 1 million subscribers? <laughs> like, or only only 1 million? What's your take? I, I, it's so weird because I don't necessarily know if there's a fix, quote unquote, because in Marma, again, we all it feels like all we've talked about for the last two to three years now is how Netflix keeps losing money. And again, this was supposedly the biggest crisis that they've faced since kind of the onslaught of the streaming wars. And they're, they're seemingly bouncing back better than ever where they lost, what was that, like a quarter of a million subscribers? And they're saying that's a good thing because, hey, it's not as many as we thought we were going to lose. So I'm really mystified as far as that goes. I feel like at this point, the only thing that would surprise me at this point about Netflix is them actually like shuttering their doors and cl- and selling off their assets to like some other streaming service. I feel like that would be the biggest thing where it's like, whoa, now I'm actually surprised. But just based off everything that we've seen so far, it's like every single time people are saying, oh no, is it over for Netflix? I'm just like, they'll find a way to bounce back because they always do somehow. Okay, so you're not deterred by any of this, and, and are really. you still going to subscribe? Yeah, I wish I could say I was, but like again, we talked for five plus years about how they were incredible, accruing so much debt per year, and if, if this doesn't mean the end of them, then I don't know what will, you know, because they're still seemingly at the forefront of pop culture. So you're not canceling your subscription anytime soon. I mean, it's not mine. I'm not the one paying for it, so I have nothing to cancel. <laughs> now, granted, and that's we'll exactly see what. Now, granted, we'll see again. We'll, we'll we'll see if if the password sharing thing, because that's another thing to try to crack down on as well. But we'll see if the password sharing doesn't cause them to lose too much subscribers. They seem to think that cracking down on password sharing is going to gain them subscribers. I personally think that. I personally think again. Uh, uh, this is why I, I wish I could just go up against all of Wall Street and their thought mentalities. But again, I think that's going to lose them even more subscribers than they than they realize because I don't think they re- again it's the thing that we always talk about with viewing numbers is they never account for how many people are actually watching they account for how many screens are being watched and those are two completely different numbers so they really have never taken that into account that that goes all the way back to the age of Nielsen ratings right but Nielsen ratings couldn't really do anything about it Matt Netflix is trying to control that even more and I personally think it's going to lose them even more subscribers but hey that that's just me so we'll we'll see if that actually happens you know by like Q4 this year or whenever it is that they're initially set to put in this password sharing thing, supposedly. Well said, man. Dumb. We tried doing some password sharing on a certain uh, we streaming did, service, and, it, and that and was it, difficult. It's not working. Because I'll say this, man. Apple TV, they 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 clamped down super tight on that. But but before we actually get to the shows, I wanted to bring up something really interesting. So we were talking about before, kind of when we were going through all of the different streamers about how Apple always seems to be focused on quality over quantity, and that is true to a certain extent. But it's been so weird because it feels like, with the exception of like the few really big ones that really popped out, you know, the morning show when that first premiered, and then kind of the real big nosedive that it took this past year. Ted Lasso obviously being the phenomenon that it was. Severance started to have its little bit of a moment early this year, and it getting all the Emmy nominations. I don't know if you saw how many Emmy nominations it got. It got a lot, and I was super, super happy with everything that it got. But there's something that's coming on the horizon that I don't think a lot of people really take into account. It's interesting that you say that Apple focuses on quality control because what's so interesting about Apple streaming services is that Apple streaming service essentially functions the same way as Amazon. They have all this money that they fu- that they funnel into it. They don't really need it because again, they they because again, unlike Netflix, they're able to pay for an, a, a single day of of content 
for a subscription that were based off just one day. And sorry, I should, let me rephrase that. They're able to pay an entire year of co- for, of content based off of just the all the AirPod sales that go on in one day at their company, you know? So they don't really have a need for the service, but it feels like unlike Amazon, which is like, okay, we'll just drop a random show once every quarter and it'll be like the most watched and most talked about show, I feel like with the exception of Wheel of Time. But uh, again, they've got the Lord of the Rings show coming out, but Apple has not really done that. They've actually like really curated their service like a real service. And that's what's been so fascinating and interesting about covering them the last couple of years. Is for the, with, with a few exceptions, all their shows have been mostly really great. They've been really unique. They've been really interesting to watch. We haven't really had a bad thing to say about anything that they put out. I watched a couple of the original movies that they put out. They haven't been great, but again, they're curating their stuff. They're starting to build up. So that's what's kind of always been so fascinating to me is it's like, wow, this is, and kind of why I've always championed Apple is I'm like, wow, you have a company that does not need to put at all the amount of thought and uh, the amount of thought and kind of time into the quality and, and content selection. Outside of Ted Lasso, I don't actually know anybody that's really talking about or really watching any of these shows, but that doesn't matter because they actually, unlike Netflix, have all this money. And also there's something coming on the horizon for Apple that I don't think that a lot of people are realizing. So I, I want to clue the talking TV audience into that as well, you know, kind of give them a leg up as far as what to expect from Apple in the future. So there's a movie coming out next weekend called Luck. It's called Sky. It's from Skydance Animation. It looks like a pretty like standard, like, you know, kitty animated fair. There's an uh, enchanted other world full of magical creatures. And this one, you know, random girl ends up wandering into it and havoc ensues because she's apparently super unlucky. What people don't realize is the name behind this movie. You know, it sounds like a pretty standard kids movie it's from Skydance Animation, which is an animation company that has been kind of on the up and up for the last couple of years. So the producer behind this movie is John Lasseter. John Lasseter, for people who don't realize who that is, was formerly the head of Pixar, who was let go for them for sexual misconduct uh, a couple a couple years ago. Apparently, it seems that that was not nearly as bad as they made it out to be, because Lasseter said that he was going to be working on other fields of the animation company. And from what I've heard of the behind the scenes is that this movie, Luck, that's coming out, as well as a lot of the other, Lasseter is essentially attempting to rebuild Pixar with the Apple TV Plus brand. You know, after Pixar, I think it's safe to say it's kind of gone down to the dumps of Disney Plus. I know a lot of Pixar employees are still really furious with the, with some of the decision-making that's gone on behind the scenes at Disney. And I, I think it's super ironic the fact that Lasseter is kind of attempting to restart the Pixar brand. Not the Pixar brand, but like the Pixar, the type of quality that is known with the Pixar brand. Uh, when Apple and Steve Jobs were originally one of the founding members of Pixar way back in the day. So I think that's a, that's a really interesting, like kind of come full circle moment right there. But I, I, I think that Apple's going to be like a big one to keep track of as far as it's like, okay, now rather than having like the occasional one-off, like they're really going to have like a really interesting and diverse kind of curated brand that will be able to appeal to all different sorts of markets in a way that I feel like a lot of these other streaming services are having a little bit of a tough time with. So I don't know, what, what's really your take on that, Chris? Well, I guess like, the uh the least important part of it all but the part that kind of just makes me feel just like warm inside as a human is how well apple has handled the uh streaming service because of steve jobs love for film and uh being a creator uh, a creative person i think that's pretty cool i'm looking at this trailer right now for luck and this looks amazing. It looks I mean, good. It looks, it looks so really good. good. It looks, yeah, dude, it looks yeah. better than like, it sucks because this year has been kind of weak for animation. It really has been. And like, like between, and just the Pixar movies that we got this year between Lightyear and Turning Red and Luck, I'm like, wow, like this, that, I remember watching that show. I'm like, this looks great. 
you just mentioned turning red and I just got a little triggered again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who, what a disgusting who just, movie. Who, they could have put out a movie worse than that this year at Pixar and somehow they, they topped it with Lightyear, which I heard is a movie that was so bad that I'm like, wait, you mean to tell me that you have a, Pix a Toy Story IP movie here? And nobody, and somehow people are saying it's worse than some of the Cars movies. You you know you got a stinker on your hands then. Have you seen it yet? Like no, I, I did not watch it. And I ended up skipping it but just based off the reviews. And from what everyone's told me, I did not make the wrong decision. Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. Uh, you know, so you ask me what do I think about all this. I think, first of all, I love competition. I think competition makes things uh, spicy. It, 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 it challenges people and, and forces them to do better. I think Netflix is kind of caving because of a lack of competition for so long. I think they got a little comfortable. It's like, uh, you know, as much as I don't necessarily... Uh, watch basketball. I know LeBron James now in his 40s is still at the top because he has not let himself become stale. He's continued to put the work and continue to reinvent himself in the game of basketball to stay on the top. And that's what you have to do when you're the king, right? I mean, that's I, I, if I called Netflix the uh, dethroned king earlier, I think it's only right to uh, bring in a sports analogy uh, with the actual king of basketball, as they call him, King James. And, and it just, anyone does this. Anyone at the top of their game, if they want to stay at the top of their game, they will find ways to maintain that for as long as they can. And I think this just goes to show Netflix has not been doing a good job maintaining that throne. I think they got too comfy um, and it, it happens, but I, I'm glad it happened because Apple TV Plus has been a gift. First of all, I got the first year free just from buying an Apple product. So that was amazing because they hooked me within that first year alone. As you said, we got the morning show season one, which was brilliant. And I still think is an amazing piece of TV. Uh, it's a shame where that show's gone, but it's really one of their only blunders. And it's just the wokeism that kind of tanked it. Um, but you have Ted Lasso, which is phenomenal. You have uh, Severance, which is amazing. The show that I, I just, I'm dying for the day. You have a rainy day to watch C with Jason Momoa. And now right, and that third and final season is coming out soon too. And I would love for you to catch up because I think that'd be a really fun one to talk about here on the channel. Um, so hopefully we can we can make that happen because Dom, I think you're just as as someone who's you know um, really just understands film and the way you do the the performances are just brilliant. I mean it's 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 awesome and. I think Apple, their budget. I think you're you're right. They're, them being able to sell so many AirPods in one day, they can fund like thirty eight thousand shows in a, in a year. I think this the shows like C wouldn't exist if it wasn't for companies like Apple expanding and becoming more, uh, you know, multi conglomerate type of things because that show is a hard sell. But let me tell you, it was done the right way and it was phenomenal. And we we don't we can even die further. Um, for all mankind, physical two other amazing shows. I mean, yeah. you're right. Their movies aren't always the greatest, but I mean, we've watched a few and uh, they, they weren't terrible by any means. Yeah, I mean, I've they liked, were... I've liked the Apple TV Plus movies a lot more than I feel like a lot of other people. I feel like it's just, again, it's a matter of traction. I feel like they have yet to have like a really, really big hit that a lot of people watch, a lot of people like and everyone's talking about. Like they had the best picture winner of last year, Coda, which I think was kind of mystified everyone because that kind of became the little engine that could. And I know that was a big Sundance hit when that premiered last year, but like, I don't know how many how many people have seen it. You know, I like the tragedy of Macbeth. I feel like I also like Cherry a lot more than everybody else did. But I feel like they kind of got off to a little bit of a rough foot because I feel like Cherry was like their first like big 
mainstay uh, kind of, you know, movie that they watch. So I think they have time. I think when the Scorsese movie finally comes out, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon, I feel like that'll be the big one because remember what the Irishman did for Netflix back in fall of 2019 between that and Marriage Story. So we'll see. Also, Scorsese seems to have parked his butt there, you know, saying it's like, okay, Apple TV, that's going to be like the future of cinema now, you know, because he's just him and DiCaprio just booked their next movie, The Wager for uh for apple tv plus as well they're gonna start filming that once killers of the flower move finally premieres i'm so sad because that one got pushed to next year so i'm like great so now we're gonna have to wait another year for scorsese i just become used to it at this point with scorsese where it's like okay every time i think we're gonna get a movie one year i'm like okay expected to get delayed uh, another year because that's exactly what happened with his last three movies so but you know what even if it's not um even if it's not the greatest film, at least you know it's pushed for the filmmaking to be given all the love exactly. and attention it needs. Exactly. Uh, not like those Marvel VFX artists who are just apparently oh, eaten into the ground. But they that's a different podcast too. Into the ground. Oh my um, god, dude! How 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 happy did it? Okay. Real quick, not so How happy did, did, did it? How happy did those posts make you when you're like, "Yes, finally, Marvel being exposed as the villain as the villains that they truly are, strong arming the industry." Well, I, I think it's not right. I think they um, they preach all of these morals that they don't hold as a corporation. Oh, and yeah. so um, I think it, it, it seems pretty grueling to ask a VFX artist to crunch time weekends, hours after traditional offices close to get six different types of, a, of an image. And then we're going to go with one of this six different types of the way this fire coming out of the hand might look. And guess what? When we pick that one, you're going to have to then make it look 10 times better on this limited schedule. It really oh, is no, messed no, it up. It gets even better. It gets even better. Sometimes we'll even ask them to do that like a week before the movie set to come out. Dude, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. You got to link me an article that gets into that. I'd love to read it ridiculous some of the stuff and then what's even worse is okay if you can't meet these ridiculous demands we're gonna blacklist you and basically make sure that not only can that you can never get another marvel project again which are like basically keeping some of these vfx companies alive like it's so Dumb. messed up so messed up absolutely terrible um and i'm glad you brought up the blacklisting thing that brings us back to this apple tv plus this sky movie that's coming out um i mean Thank, thank God for Apple TV+. Plus. Now we have yeah. competition. We have another top-tier company that can fund the likes of what it takes to produce and create a Pixar animation team yes. and give us another player in the space so maybe we don't have to suffer another film like a Red or a Lightyear, um, yeah. which I won't suffer Lightyear. I think Honestly, you, you I, if, if I can trade up animation, I've been with Pixar. I've been the biggest Pixar defender for the longest time, but if, I'm not going to lie, just based off of the... I mean, we had a brief respite period with Soul and then Luca last year, which I think were both really good, but yeah, between Turning Red and Lightyear this year. The Disney original movies, I'll still say, I'll still give a chance because those, for the most part, have been pretty good. I really liked Raya and the Last Dragon and Encanto last year. Uh, that, that Strange World movie that's coming out Thanksgiving, that actually looks pretty good. So the Disney original team, I'm still willing to give credit, but the Pixar team, they just seem to have pounded into the dirt, which just really sucks because Pixar was like ground, the groundbreaking animation company for so long. So yeah, it's it's really sad to see. It, it is, it is. But I think like we have you know, broke new ground in, in the likes of Apple TV plus HBO finding themselves as a streaming service as well as a cable provider has been absolutely brilliant. Uh, and I think, you know, Hey, like even if Disney plus isn't something you're into, it's, you at least know that that quality that they've established will always be there. Whatever that means to you, it can. If you you're super Marvel fan, you're gonna love everything about it. You're gonna love that huge, massive drop that happened last week. That's 
that's great because a lot of that is uh, Disney Plus as well as theaters. So streaming is in an interesting place where I feel like we have always said the streaming wars are alive and, and well. But I really feel like we're still so early. I don't know if oh, we'll we are. We're, we're, we're not even a full two years in yet. That's the crazy part. It's still. Yeah, exactly. It's still so early. And I think now you have sort of Peacock. The the, the 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 whispers are coming around will they do this office reboot will they not even if they don't it's driving people to use their service like because of all this office chatter happening again i actually now have been going to peacock which i get in my cable package um and watching an episode or two of the office before bed at night so now i'm actually using peacock now um, I watched the bad guys on there because I was using my friend's uh, subscription because he was watching Yellowstone on there, which is another big one that apparently a lot of people are talking about. There was a brief rumor that Yellowstone was finally going to start getting nominated for Emmys, and it didn't. And I watched the bad guys, which is the most recent DreamWorks animation on there. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. That was that was actually a pretty pretty damn good animated movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, dude, so there's there's nice little pockets that will allow for creativity to sort of go head to head and, and may the best man win, but hopefully the audience wins because everyone's pushing themselves like uh, a golden age of, uh, you know, those, those golden ages of Hollywood that, that used to exist. Hopefully maybe streaming can um, bring back another one because I think we need it. I think it's right. been really good though. Lately. I think there's been a lot of quality content. Um, these guys up here providing a lot of it. 100%. But, I mean, I feel like, are we at the point now where we want to sort of talk about the future and what to expect? Like, where, where do you want to take this thing down? Well, real quick, few... I wanted to talk about uh, For All Mankind and Physical real quick before we get into the, we, we can talk about kind of the future afterwards because I also wanted to talk about maybe like some shows that are coming up that you might be looking forward to, like some things that you've watched just in general. Like I said, let's just make this like the fun section where we actually talk about some of the stuff that we have been watching. So For All Mankind and Physical, like I said, two shows that we started watching during the pandemic, two shows that I didn't really know what to expect going in. I was really, really amazed by the physical trailer. And I feel like the biggest kind of sort of the biggest reason why I feel like we gravitated towards physical is because we felt like physical came in at the perfect time where our beloved glow on Netflix had just been canceled and we were looking for a show to fulfill that spot that was missing in both of our hearts and physical came in and was just like oh you thought you were missing this here you go and we watched that first season and we're floored by it we're like yes this is everything we wanted and it's crazy to me where we were talking all about all this great TV for weeks we talked about Ozark you know despite where that went we talked about Barry Better Call Saul um what's it called you know succession back and forth we've been talking about all these great shows and i wasn't you know how it goes with sophomore efforts of shows that's usually the make or break for shows as far as their continuing success and i've been watching this past season of physical and i'm like this is the best show ever i'm like this is the best show on tv right now i propose that you get a show like for all mankind which is a show again that just felt so revolutionary and so forward-thinking but also so traditionalist right it feels like such a traditional tv show because the guy's making it you know ronald d moore the showrunner of the battle the 04 battles of galactica show and you have a show that it is. It was really weird because I was watching For All Mankind at the same time that I was like getting really heavily into The Expanse. I've been watching The Expanse heavily recently. I've I already finished the third season of that great show, and I feel like I'm almost watching like a prequel for The Expanse. Where at this point, like they're finally just starting to settle on Mars, and then meanwhile, on The Expanse, I'm watching like the Mars Earth conflict begin. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm in like this weird simulation right now where you have these two different shows made by completely separate creators that are just seem to be tackling like a lot of the same thing, and it's really really strange. But 
Yeah, for all mankind is great. And talk about just delivering on a premise that felt like kind of a gimmick for one of, oh, what if Russia beat us to the moon, you know? And they just took that whole thing and just ran with it. And now we're three seasons deep. We talked about how much we love that season two finale, just how much it like really just blew our socks off. And now we're in this third season, which I'll say has not been my favorite of the three, but it's still doing things that are better than so many different shows on the air. So I, I don't know. What's your take on that? How, how, what have you been thinking? What have your thoughts been so far on physical season two and for all mankind season three? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to echo your sentiments here pretty much uh, verbatim just in my own way, because I couldn't agree more. I think while it is not my favorite season so far, it still has that quality, that bar of filmmaking, that drama that I think we were both dying to have again in our lives uh, to sink our teeth into when we first found this show that filled that void better than uh, any show that I've seen in a long time um, is still is still for all mankind. And physical, I, I think exploring um, her character, uh, forgive me, her name is escaping Sheila. me. Sheila. Sheila, yeah. Um, her, just exploring her character further, I think it's it's amazing the way they're handling the, um, the uh, you know, disorders that she suffers. And I think it's just such an, I, that show is so brilliant. It's like the most interesting character study. It, it really accents like the way people interact with one another what is love um what is listening to someone else like it's just they're the way that they handle the interpersonal relationships of our mundane day-to-day -day lives are, are, is really interesting in that show because the setting is just so unique and so weird and then of course we have the silliness with um the uh you know the surfer and um his girlfriend, girlfriend. who uh Lou Taylor you know. continuing to steal every single scene that he's in I'm like you know, like this is a one-off I mean we loved him for the first thing we're like this is a one-off character though and they've still managed to make it like that whole subplot which has kind of been like relegated to the side but I'm like I, again I'm like I love this show it's so good every character is great but what a gripping C story, B story, whatever you want to call oh, it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's those few minutes we get are absolutely brilliant. I mean, just that one scene alone where the ex-boyfriend comes into the house and even though she's willing to leave him and and get back with a man who's terrible, he understands that it's out of desperation and that she does still love him. So he accepts her like they have the even they've even added depth to a character like him in those moments yeah. where his forgiveness and his understanding, his sympathy for her and his love for her. Wow. Okay, this might be a stupid surfer stoner on the outside, but he's still a person with complexity and depth. And I think that's what all these Apple shows offer is complexity and depth. The only thing that worries me about these Apple shows, and I know it's not them getting canceled, right? They don't have the Netflix problem. I, it just kind of makes me sad. Like, I feel like we're the only ones talking about For All Mankind. Yeah. I, I don't see anyone talking yeah. about physical... I, what do you think, man? You you're, you're you're definitely have always been more entrenched in these circles. Like, let's hear it. Yeah, it's depressing to say the least because even amongst like my film friend fans, and I will say I feel like it might be a result of timing. Not it, it definitely has nothing to do with the quality of the shows because as we know and as everybody who's watched the shows know, the quality's got nothing to do with it. I think it's just a matter of timing and service provider. It's the fact that Apple is still so new to the game. It's still building up its brand. People still really only think of Ted Lasso when they think of it. Like Apple, like Ted Lasso is pretty much Apple's entire brand identity right now you know and it's a fact that a lot of these again their shows they're only in their second season like this is not the first time we've seen it like as big of a show as we think of game of thrones and breaking bad and all these other shows that were like seemed like these huge hits when they were first on like think about where those shows were at in their second seasons you know 
just, just in general. I feel like, again, you, you talk about all these shows. It's like, it's not until, like, you really hit, like, the third season that they really start to hit up. Like, I know for a fact Sopranos really didn't even get a lot of, like, the recognition that it deserved until probably around season three and four was when it really picked up. Same thing with Game of Thrones. Same thing with Breaking Bad. You know, Lost, I feel like, is the only one of those shows that was, like, really, they were talking about it, like, every week. And that was really just because of the cable TV of it all, you know? So... I'll say that while it does definitely make me sad that not everybody is talking about it, like in the sense of them being breakout hits the way that Ted Lasso was, if we're just using another example on the streaming service, my whole thing is I'm like, look, in this age where it is just so hard to ask for anything quality, yeah, the zeitgeist, the water cooler talking, being able to talk with other people about it is half the fun. But for my money and my experience, I just like having a, just a great show to watch, just a great show to watch that I know is just going to be consistent quality that I can wait for week to week each week, you know? And I'm okay with that, honestly, you know? That probably makes me like a rare exception in like this massive sea of TV viewers, but I'm, a, I'm more than okay with that, especially since I see that so much of the time, the water cooler talk is what ends up destroying some of those shows, you know? Yeah. Totally. Um, I, I think I couldn't agree more again. <laughs> um, I, I, I think once you get past the 17 two-factor authentication checks that Apple requires you to log in, and then once you can finally get that video to play on their streaming service. Yeah, you, a lot and of I, these I know streaming I've, services. They, no, you're good, you're good. But it's like, yeah, a lot of these streaming services, there's a reason, again, why Netflix is still running it. Because you know at the very least when you watch something Netflix, you're not going to have all these bugs and breakdowns and, and, and delays. And yeah, and it's surprising for Apple. And not to sound too much like Professor Pat here, you know, Mr. Critique of all things technology, but once you can get past all that, you are you are in for some highbrow, um, golden age style television, neo renaissance of um, what made the uh, late '90s, early 2000s so great with like Sopranos, Lost, uh, Breaking Bad, you you name it. We're, we're, it's back. It's on Apple TV Plus, and that's a fact. But hey, it might take you a half hour to finally click that video. Exactly. So just know it what might, you're in for. It's it part might, of the it fun, might. though, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, yeah. So before we wrap it up, before we get out of here, Chris, uh, you wanted to talk about kind of the future of where we wanted to go. But I want to talk about, like, just, man, we, we haven't been on this podcast in so long. We haven't been able to have, like, a regular casual discussion in so long. What are some of the stuff that you've been watching recently? You know, not just, obviously, comfort food stuff, but, like, just some of the new stuff that you've been watching recently. Because I know you've been watching new stuff. I've been watching some new stuff. So I, I wanted to hear what you've been watching first. Like, movies, TV, everything. This This includes everything. Sure. Yeah. Well, I have only a few episodes left of uh, one of your favorite shows, Dom, Succession. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you're almost caught up. Let's go. I'm loving it. And I cannot wait to join. Uh, I believe it was Dustin. Yeah. And you next next season to review this. I, I'm, I'm I mean, Jeremy Strong. I, I, I can't Holy say enough shit, good things right. about him. He is. Right. Uh, I have a few episodes left. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll are text you. On you season three or are you still on season two? season three so i have a few episodes all left right, where we, right. i think we have like three or four left so it was, um, wait, so wait did you get to the kendall birthday party episode yet or not yet uh not yet so okay, all right, I, all right. I suppose i now have to text you after i watch oh, that yeah. one the last three episodes um, the kendall birthday party and then the last two episodes which are in italy are like though those were like you're gonna see now why that was my number one of last year tv wise Okay, phenomenal. Um, another show that will be in my top 10 yet again is, uh, you know, hey, we're going back to Netflix here. Afterlife just concluded and yes, I finally Afterlife. found the time um, to finish it. And it is just so absolutely brilliant, charming, sad, sadistic because of how he plays on your emotions with the topics that Gervais chooses to touch upon. And what, what more can I say? I mean, it's if you want dark, cynical English Brit humor at its finest and also just a man who is willing to joke about anything, but somehow finds a way to make it seem like it's all OK. That's Ricky Gervais in a nutshell. 
And then the last thing um, that I've just been loving, which um, I haven't really had a chance to voice here, uh, is just the boys. It's 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 quality content. It, it's just it's consistent. So it's fun. It's lovable. And this give me another season, season this past season for me, best season yet. I, because if you remember when we were talking about it back in the fall of 2020 and season two came and went, and you're like, where is this going to go now? We, they they kind of ended it. We're like, and this this past season just showed, oh, they weren't done. Dude, the, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about this with you as much, but the minute, the first episode, when the termite, the mini dude goes inside the other dude's tent and blows him up, I'm like, this show is back. This show is back. I'm like, yeah. we're, we're, like, we're right back in it. And then, dude, where this season, all oh, the twists and turns where this season went, it was but best season yet. We, we already talked about it a decent amount. Go watch our, our The Boys podcast episode. It was great. I, I didn't think they were going to get much better than Stormfront. And needless to say, again, I did not watch a single episode of Supernatural, but God damn, Jensen Ackles a soldier boy this past season. Holy shit. Seriously. It's but, nuts. um but, what yeah. about you, man? I know you always have a big list of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So not too much like new stuff recently. Like I said, I've been watching Physical and For All Mankind. That's pretty, like I said, it, it, I've been watching, obviously, the final season of Better Call Saul. I'm waiting until our episode in a couple of weeks where we're going to cover the finale of that. But that, I, I will say that the second half of this season since it premiered has definitely taken a lot of interesting twists and turns that I would not have expected, which is, again, nothing less than I would have expected. I say Again, I still can't believe they took a, a prequel to Breaking Bad that started off as a joke in the writer's room and have turned it into one of the best shows on the air right now, one of the best prequels ever made. And again, a show that a lot of people are consistently saying is better than Breaking Bad. I'm one of the few people that doesn't think that, but hey, that's just me. A couple of shows that are coming out soon that I'm really looking forward to. My beloved industry from fall of 2020 is finally coming back for that second season that premieres actually tomorrow night. Uh, Reservation Dog second season is coming back. I just recently have been watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. There are only four episodes in, but that show is just as hilarious as it always is. There, there was a... There are a couple bits in the first episode where I'm just like, okay, th this show is back. Like, we're just, like, just everything that Naja and Laszlo get into are just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Nandor with his freaking bringing back his, all of his wives and then just having this genie just kill them off one by one. It's so good. I'm, it's so uh, freaking funny. I'm waiting to um, refresh myself around when uh, our podcast episode on that comes up. So I I'm just letting them stockpile. And then it's just going to be a nice little week straight oh, binge there. But I'm glad to hear it's going well so oh, far. Oh, it's still so good. Yeah. It's, it's still so good. But um, yeah, so there's those who I've recently been like, as far as like, again, there's always like at least one or two old shows that I try to watch. I've, I've recently finished season five of Mad Men. I'm probably going to finish that show later on down the line. That that one might be the best season of that show yet. Um, let's go. I, I, I took a break from The Leftovers a little bit. It's still unbelievable what that show was able to accomplish. But the thing about The Leftovers is that it is, it's basically if Lindelof would lost, only got to make like the emotional bits from the flashbacks and like none of the stuff from the island, basically. And it is, it's great, but it is so heavy and it is so weighty that I'm like, after each episode, I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I need to take a 19 and a half hour long bath just to wash myself because this show is so friggin' dead. So I had to take a break with that. But man, I've recently been getting into the expanse and I don't think I've seen a show that is as bingeable as this show like ever like I just plowed through the rest of season one and then I'm like okay they can't get that much better than this and then I plowed through season two and I'm like okay they can't get much better than this and now I just finished season three and I'm like well fuck where are they gonna go next where they just went from like basically like a small little like sci-fi like Battlestar Galactica-esque like space exploration show to having all these crazy things about like crazy scientific experiments and sabotage in order to start intergalactic wars and like you know crazy like political like 
morally gray back and forth areas to this past season they were just like recently found out found out that the proto molecule like opened a thing to another dimension and now they have like an infinite number of wormholes and worlds they can travel to and explore it's baffling how crazy this show got and i'm like wow the first three seasons they pulled up on a sci-fi budget i just finished the section where they can where they canceled it right on sci-fi so now i got the last three amazon seasons to go through so i'm really interested in, to see where that's gonna go but I just recently started watching uh, Amazon's latest drop, which I don't know if you saw, Chris, but Amazon dropped their adaptation of Paper Girls yesterday. And I watched the first two episodes. And again, I have no basis of the comic book. I didn't read the Brian K. Vaughn comic book that this was based off of. And what I will say is that I don't think I've ever seen a show that is both so emblematic of, like, all the things that I kind of hate about TV shows, but at the same time, like, so engrossing and entertaining of where it's like, I'm like, I'm aware of all the flaws that are abundant in each episode. Like, certain of the characters are not that great. Certain of the, you know, again, messaging is kind of really overt and obvious. But I'm still compelled to watch with what's going on. They're still bringing up, I think, like, legitimately interesting story points. And, like, I'm two episodes in, and I kind of do want to finish it and see where it goes, you know? It's really strange. I've never had this conundrum happen to me before, you know? I, I'd i be really interested to see your thoughts just to see if you can make it past the first episode, you know? For nothing Damn, else, okay. I, can say, I can safely say I enjoyed it a lot better than that piss-poor attempt at Why the Last Man last year. But the difference being also is that Why the Last Man was in production hell for years on end. And at that point, they're like, okay, we just, we just have to get this out, you know? But paper, it's Amazon, so it's got an actual budget it's actually got interesting filmmaking i think they actually build the story from what i've seen in an interesting way again i did not read the comic book series that this is based off so i don't know where this is gonna go but yeah i, I i'd be interested to see your thoughts on it because my three favorite comics of all time are all written by brian k vaughn you have saga why the last man and paper girls um all comics that i've i'm not up to date anymore but i was I was following along for a minute and uh, you saved me ruining the legacy of why the last man by just saying, yeah. please don't watch. This. I watched the first three episodes. I'm like, I can't do anymore. I'm like, this, this is too. I'm like, just stop. Just, I'm like, just don't. Then yeah, fall 2021 until succession and arcane came out was, was pretty rough. So I'm hoping we don't get, a, I'm, tr I'm trying to do the best that we can in order to stave off a repeat of that. But you're thinking I should at least give paper girls a just try. the first just a, I'd say the first two episodes. Just to say, again, the references, okay. it, it's Did they so do a double obviously. drop? It's the first two that dropped? No, no, no. They dropped the whole eight. They dropped oh, the, the whole, whole eight. Okay. It was all available. The then I'll, I'll watch the first two and I'll report back to you. Yeah, just just, just <laughs> so I can get your thoughts. Because, again, I'm going to watch it and finish it just because I'm like, okay, I'm entertained by this. Whether it's for the right reasons or not, I'm not sure. But I'm at the very least entertained by this. So, like, I'll be, like, willing to – so I'll be willing to at least finish it up. Again, there are a couple of other shows that I still want to finish up. I started watching The After Party on Apple TV+. Plus. That's fine. It's, like, a typical, like, funny, like, oh, it's Lord and Miller. It's all the familiar actors that you know. It's the dude from Parks and Rec, Ike Barinholtz. Um, what's her name? Alana Glazer. Um, Sam Richardson, all the usual suspects. It's you know that type of comedy. It's outdated comedy, but I know there's a lot of people that enjoy that stuff. The the kind of the kitsch of it is that oh, it's a murder mystery where they're trying to investigate Dave Franco's death, but every other episode is from a different character's perspective, and 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 they're and because it's from a different character's perspective, they shoot it like a different style of a movie. Like the first episode is a rom com, the second movie is like an action thriller, and like they change it up. And like I said, it's good, but like I said, it's it's not great. I don't like it. Uh, I I don't love it. There's also that show, The Bear. That everyone was going nuts about on social media. The Hulu show with the dude from Shameless, Jeremy Allen White. I watched the first four episodes. It's really good. But there are just certain things where I'm just like story-wise. I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just can't get into it as much as everybody else does. But it's good. It's really, really good. So, yeah. That's pretty much what I've been watching. Um, As far as movies go, there's a couple of movies that I watched recently. But, yeah, movies it, itself, for the most part, just like dead in the dirt. 
So I watched The Gray Man on Netflix. That was pretty good. Uh, I had fun with that. I watched Jordan Peele's Nope. It's his weakest of his three, but it's Jordan Peele, so it's still interesting and worth watching. So that that that's kind of what I can say about that. But uh, yeah, that that's really it for stuff that I've been watching recently. Uh, again, I always try to stay up to date as far as what everyone's got going on. You know, totally, man. No, it's uh, it's I'm gonna check out the Bear for sure, and I'll watch yeah. those first two episodes of Paper Girl. Yeah, I like I said, I, I gotta get your thoughts on that. Just, just for nothing else, like I said, it's I'm like you could love it, you could hate it. I don't care. I'm like I need to get your thoughts on that. You know, because it's one of those things where I'm like. It's too interesting to just let it be, you know? Yeah. I see a weekend in our calendar coming up without any topics. Maybe we do another one it's of these. We sort of touch base and absolutely. Um, refresh yeah, absolutely. on uh, you gave me some homework. Uh, maybe you watch an episode or two of C and maybe we report back and see maybe where we we're do. at. With maybe we do. Yeah. Like I said, it's, I'm, 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 I'm on another break from the expanse. So I'll see if uh, when I still have to watch the last season of Game of Thrones, though, for our Talking Thrones recap series, which I still can't believe we're almost done with that. We just premiered the first episode of season seven this past for on on Friday. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on the end of that, too. Like we're, we're going to talk about Hassel the dragon when that drops i am interested to see how that goes because game oh of yes thrones, yes well, we gotta have game professor of, pat on for that oh 100 well, well because game <laughs> of thrones it's so weird because i thought that was a franchise and i'm like okay that was like kind of one and done once it was finished and they, they were like nah we're, we're trying to franchise this shit you know and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> george r. r martin has three really strong uh things going on right now the books which he will never finish um because the blog and the tv franchise world has taken over his life so um, you, 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 you know. have to keep pouring lemon juice on that on that wound that already has salt in it. Like, come on, man. You know I, how I, I feel about this, dude. I just can't get over how many pages he writes for that blog. Yet he just can't sit down and supposedly he's still writing pages for the Winds of Winter. Supposedly, and mm. he's still gonna finish a Dream of Spring, which I'm like, I, I don't mm. even know how to feel at this point. How, because how old it, is he? I don't even know, man. It's like I just worry. Mid seventies, man. Mid seventies, and you know what the worst part is? He specifically got out of his way to say, "Is like, yeah, I'm not gonna pull a wheel of time. I'm not letting anybody else finish this story." It's like, so if he dies, we're essentially gonna get like no resolution in these books at all. Hey, Ugh. he's seventy three. I wish him all the best. Anyways, man, this was a fun time. Yeah, I really enjoyed good. this enjoyed episode. It, it was yeah, nice. It's a good episode. I, I had a lot of fun with this. this. Again, we need to do more of these episodes just in general because we, we had so many of these back during the pandemic, and I feel like we don't have as many anymore because of how content-focused we are. But we have a lot of gaps now because, again, they don't release content every week, and we're in a little bit of like a content lull right now. So I have a feeling we're going to be a lot more um, – have a lot more of these. But make sure you guys tune in for, for us next week as we wrap up kind of the summer movie season with Bullet Train. I'm going to be really interested to see kind of what the reception of that is going to be. I feel like that's going to be a movie that we're going to love, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the public's reaction is and how many people will want to watch that in theaters versus waiting for it on a streaming service. Chris, thanks so much for coming back to host. I hope we get you a lot more for the rest of the year before, uh, before again, we wrap up this year. Just in general, we got a lot of big changes both in our personal lives coming on the horizon, but where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? Yeah, you guys can find me uh, here next week for Bullet Train as well as Anywhere That Matters at Christian Ivanko. Ivanko spelled E-V-A-N-K-O. So that little Instagram logo right down there where the Talking TV podcast is, I'm on there as well. Also on Twitter as well as Talking TV. Also on YouTube, Facebook, the whole nine. So again, it's at Christian Ivanko. And hey, if you want to hear a song or two to maybe, uh, you know, sip some lemonade out in the sun with or uh you know go on that summer hike uh follow me on spotify apple music amazon music google youtube at christian ivanko e-v-a-n-k-o and dom where can they find you 
at Movie Nerd Reviews across all platforms where I have been slightly posting again. I posted, I've been posting just some funny memes just in general on my page. You know me. It's, it's all jokes. It's all laughs. I just want people to have a good time when they come to my page. But be sure to follow the official Talking TV podcast across all platforms. I just put out all of our Comic-Con kind of coverage on our TikTok page recently, and I'm still going at it with the top 10 lists on TikTok. I've been having a lot of fun on there. Just recently, I, I tried to surprise everyone by putting uh, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda for my top 10 supervillain castings, and it seems to have, seems to have been going pretty well overall so we'll, we'll see how that goes be sure to follow us at official talking tv podcast across all platforms be sure to subscribe to us on youtube if you're watching us here this morning be sure to follow us on twitch if you're follow if you're watching us here this morning on that new episodes are on spotify and apple Podcasts every single monday and as always people 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies we'll see you guys next time